fucking part-timer coming in, taking spots from people who fucking need it. Coming in, wrestling part-time, where he should be there full-time. Like, like the Ely brothers, you know. <laughs> full-time. Tyler Bay airplane spin vaulter. I think he can. He can, man. He can. I think he can. Uh, can you give him the Tyler driver, though? Can you give him the Tyler driver? Is his butt looking amazing? Yes. It's fucking goddamn yeah, this it's man. On point, really on point. This man, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna blow him one of these days. Tyler, do you wanna come on the podcast? I, like, we'll, we'll also uh, hit on you. We're, yeah, we're gonna try to fuck you as well. <laughs> this is a devil's Don't tell Liv. Don't, you don't have this. But what saves and losses? Tyler's bedroom. Liv knows what's up. Liv. <laughs> oh, Liv. Yeah, Liv's cool. Yeah. Gotta host What if we got Tyler in here? And I'm like, Tyler, so we fuck him? And he was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're in an awesome relationship. And then you're like, what about Liv? And he's like, oh, Liv's cool. <laughs> yeah, Liv's cool about it. Part-timers coming in. Taking our spots. <laughs> taking our matches. Taking our moments. Taking our women. Taking our jobs. Fucking, <laughs> fucking our races. <laughs> mixing with our races. Coming in with their, their mixed-race kids going to school with my kids. Also, are you by? No. No. No, lives on the level. <laughs> wait, wait, Tyler, are you are you actually by? No. No. I'm just whatever. I'm fucked, mate. <laughs> I'm fucked, mate. I'm fucked a lot. <laughs> Tyler, are <laughs> 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 just going, I'm fucked, mate. Just <laughs> like, like a David Bowie style, like, third gender, like, yeah. fucking every... Like, yeah, man, you can get, like... Okay. Yeah, if he finds you attractive, man. It's fucking part time. Wait, wait, wait. They come in here, they don't pay taxes. Are you, wait, they that's come not, in that's here, not, that's not, and they're like, oh, don't shoot me, it's America. I got the right to shoot a part time and colored. I'm there wait, on my property. Hey. Wait, what? They part time and colored ass on my property. Wait a second. I got a right to shoot them. Wait a second. I think, wait, are we still talking about the same thing? Boned up. You're gonna tell me John Gresham doesn't have charisma, but you're gonna be like fucking Hiroki Goto's a fucking star. Fuck you, okay? (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Straight up. He's wrestling twice on that night. It's a tag. First match, he's wrestling on bag of shit. Second match, he's wrestling a chain. What they're gonna do actually, Finn Balor's gonna start wrestling Bray, Bray's gonna be under the ring, and a bag of shit will appear, <laughs> and the gimmick will be to see if the fans can come up with The beliefs of Brunel Dermosa did not reflect the beliefs of the Talking Smart uh, podcast. Because there's no such thing as that. Yeah. The podcast doesn't have beliefs. Yeah. You fucking idiot. Yeah. I turned you. I turned you on you. Yeah. That's how. It, that's what you get when you hang out with me for three. That's my favorite thing when the companies will say shit like that. Like the express reviews that don't reflect the values of the Disney corporation. Like, there's no such thing as the values. You have of a no fucking va- corporation. Your values is literally make as much money as you can. Every corporation has the same value. If it was legal to beat children to death and make a profit, you'd do it. There's no values. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talking Smark. I am your host, Lawson the Phoenix. 
Leon. Um, guys, what a time to be a wrestling fan, am I right? What a time. It's just, it's just all happening all at once. Um, you got New Japan doing great stuff. You got AEW, this new, new hot fed on the market. New hot Wednesday night wrestling show. NXT's going live for two hours. Giving you takeover cards out of try-hard desperation. It's great. It's great. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to talk about NXT because it's fucked up to me. I don't, I don't care. Um, I enjoy NXT when I watch it. Um, but I'm not... This show is basically an AEW New Japan and OTT show. Um, and I might talk about all Japan now and every now and then. I, w- I, w- I did catch up on Kento Miyahara's title defenses. Uh, the all Japan, uh, triple crown champion, Kento Miyahara. One of the best wrestlers in the world. One of the best aces in pro wrestling. And, hey, let's talk about him really quick. So he had himself, uh, several excellent matches this year. He has a wrestler of the year, uh, caliber resume. In 2019, and um, so I, I caught up on the match he had with Zeus. Um, he th- he they did the whole thing. Zeus uh, is very sympathetic. Somehow a sympathetic underdog, like badass monster powerhouse, <laughs> basically. Um, and uh, they did this, they told this really fun story last year with Zeus finally winning the title from Kento. But then dropping it back to him. Um, Zeus basically had the run that Kofi Kingston probably should have had. Which is, the story was him winning the title. And then he had to go lose it right back. Um, But, um, yeah. So he got to to challenge. uh, Because um, he was in his uh, hometown once again. Of Osaka. And, uh, (laughs) so... Uh, yeah, what was I was going to say, uh, yeah, so the, the big Osaka show they, they run, uh, Zeus got the challenge like he did last year, uh, but there was no, there was no heat with it, really, it wasn't the same heat, cause Zeus had won the title there a year before, and then he had just lost it, this felt like a placeholder title defense, just to get the guy in on his, you know, um, on his, in his hometown, but that being said, this match fucking ruled, this match was awesome, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Kento is so excellent. He's really coming to his own this year. This this is like when Okada had that big 2017 into 18 run, right? Um, it was like 2016 into 2018, um, where he just, like, had really, like, completely matured into his own, and this is like the run that Mamiyahara is on right now. He's just unbelievable. Uh, I also saw Kento Miyahara against Naoya uh, Nomura. Uh, it's weird. I, you know, I'm, I think I that's the first time I'm saying Nomura's name out loud. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually said it. Till just now. Is that weird? Maybe. Um, so, yes, Kento Miyahara versus Naoya Nomura. Uh, from the end of September, I thought that match was even better. This is a match of the year level match. That was I, 
Uh, let's see, Meltz gave it four and three quarters. I would also probably give it four and three quarters. Uh, Naoya, why can't I say this? It's all the vowels right in a row. It's, um, Nomura, I'm just gonna say Nomura. Nomura just, uh, Nomura is my guy in All Japan now. He's the future. He's the, he should be the next champion. Uh, he's lost to Miyahara twice this year. And I can't wait to see... Naoya Namora defeats. It's not even that hard a name to say. I, I'm just struggling with this specific <laughs> pronunciation for some reason. But yeah, no, Namora is my guy. He's the future. Uh, I'm all in on him. Uh, Jake Lee just sucks. He just has no fire. He's an all right wrestler. I mean, he can be pretty good. But Namora is the guy. He's got the fire. He's over. The crowd wants it. I want it. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm really into him. Um, I, he needs to not have the same, like, the, the Kaito Kiyomiya thing where, uh, he can't win it too soon. Which, he's already lost to Kento twice, so I think they're doing a good job with that. Um, and he probably, once he wins it, needs to upgrade. He needs some sort of upgrade. Whether it be like his, his ring attire or like maybe he needs a new move. Uh, something to like just... I just like when wrestlers distinguish themselves from certain like eras, you know? Like like there's, there's like, oh, the young trying to win the title guy. And then once you win the title, I like the idea that you not change your whole character, but just like add something. You know, change a little something to be like, oh, now I'm the top guy now. Uh, and I think Nomura could use that. Because he still feels like a guy... He does feel like the next guy, but when he actually wins the title, you can't feel like the next guy. You have to feel like the guy. Which is something that Kento Miyahara was able to accomplish back in 2016, I want to say. Yeah, 2016. Um, Alright, so... Uh, yeah, and then Miyahara went on to be in this, uh, tournament, the, I forget what, it's like the, um, uh, I forget what the name of the tournament is, but it's like basically a King of the Ring style, uh, tournament, which the champion is in, uh, and he won the Champions Carnival, so they really went all the way with Kenzo Miyahara this year. I think it's the Odo Royale tournament, I want to say. Um... But uh, he lost in the finals to Jake Lee. Jake Lee finally getting that win over Kento Miyahara. So, in the match I thought was also was good. Uh, Jake Lee, again, still does not have the fire that I wish he did. But he's he's a solid wrestler. He definitely should not beat Kento for the title because he's not the guy. Just does not. I mean, so there is to it. Um, so, uh, with all that said... Um, I watched some OTT shows as well, recently. Uh, I do want to touch on that real quick. Um, but first, a message from our sponsor. Hi guys, my name is Benel Dramosin. And I'm Lawson Leong. And we host the Talking Naruto podcast. Uh, it's a podcast where we watch every episode of Naruto. Even the fillers? Especially the fillers. And we go on Naruto Long Tangents. About everything from, like, The Flash to... to- wrestling to anime to 
feminism? To also Naruto. Ah. So please join us on Apple's iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Because Naruto is the best worst podcast. And Sasuke. We coming for you. And we're back. Did you like that? Did you like the little... Uh... <laughs> It's like, uh, what do you think of our sponsors? They sound like some good guys. Anyway, um, <laughs> really dumb. So, um, I watched, so there were a couple of OCT shows I'm going to catch up on here. All the way back, all the way back, all the way back from August, OTT Live in Cork. Um, just, I'll just go through this really quick. Jordan Devlin defeated Jody Fleisch in a fun opener. Uh, I like Jody Fleisch, I like seeing him do stuff. Uh, he's a, he's a good old man hand. Um, and, uh, yeah, this was fun, like, three and a half stars. Uh, then it was a tag team match. Dan Barry and Martina defeated Justine and Sammy D. Justine and Sammy D are not good. Dan Barry and Martina are the most over people in the company. There you go. Uh, then there was a tag team match. Liam Royal and Michael May defeat Stronghearts, Al Lindemann and T-Hawk. Okay. Here's the thing. Lindemann and T-Hawk... Stronghearts look like a well-oiled machine in this match, and they do every time, because that's what Stronghearts is. That's what how Sema trains. Uh, that's how <laughs> Sema trains people. Um, Michael May is a very good wrestler. He's very good. Uh, there's a matchup with him and Jonathan Gresham from a few months ago on YouTube uh, at an indie show. Uh, and I suggest watching that. It's an excellent technical wrestling match. Here, but the problem is. Liam Royal is just, he's a, he's big, he's a big guy, and that's it, that's like the whole thing, it's like, oh, he's, he's, uh, guys, and they really try to play them all, like, there's something special, right, and they're just, but if, it really does feel like they're just telling us, and not showing us, like, they're just telling you, hey, this is a special team right here, and it feels like Michael May had to just wrestle these guys by himself, because Liam Royal is not... He was clearly the odd man out. Like, clearly. It was not... He was several steps below everyone else. So if they want to try to make him a guy... Look, you gotta push new talent. I'm just saying... You're gonna give them wins over guys like Lindemann and T-Hawk. You know? You gotta bring your... Liam Royal was throwing strikes that weren't connecting. He just was clearly not... Not, not, not uh, very crisp. Then we had a singles match, Scotty Davis versus Karen Noir. This was just a fucking, uh, as Gabe Sapolsky would say, a special uh, singles match. Special challenge dream match. Uh, which, Scotty Davis and Karen Noir had a really excellent match. I think, I, I want to say in Black Label Pro sometime last year that Benel made me watch. Uh, <laughs> because he was trying to get me into Karen Noir. And he was, look, I knew he was right. I knew that I would like Karen Noir. It's just, it's hard, with so much wrestling, it's just hard to find the time to watch new people. Karen Noir is finally getting his due after the, the match with Pac. It's pronounced Pac now. Like Pac-Man. That's the way I think of it. It's like Pac-Man. It's not Tupac. It's Pac-Man. He's Pac. Anyway, Sky Davis is uh, the clue of the future of pro wrestling. Not just OTT. Not just Irish wrestling. Not just European wrestling. He's the future of wrestling. You hear me, world? <laughs> um, so he uh, beat Karen Noir because he's the guy here. And uh, they kind of it was weird bringing Karen Noir in to, to lose. 
Because Karen has an awesome entrance. He just feels like a star from Jump. He, he just comes out and you're like, oh, like you, you, you can tell he's a guy that gets it. Um, so, um, he's like, Spike, there's like certain talents I see, and me and Benel talked about this, and you can tell these guys just really, they get pro wrestling, uh, even if they're not like naturally talented, they're not naturally gifted workers, necessarily, um, but guys like Spike Trevay, Velveteen Dream, I put Karen Noir in that same category. He clearly, with his nuances and the way he carries himself, you can tell he gets it. Uh, I put Tessa Blanchard in the category, absolutely. Um, Tessa Blanchard, like, is a very good wrestler who is sometimes great, but isn't always. I was watching Impact, and I just saw she had this match on TV. Here's the thing. No one's watching Impact, except your boy, sometimes. I'll be honest, not even all the time. But she, I, she had this match... With Dave Chris, and it was, I was, I, I could feel that they were calling it in the ring, but the problem was that I could feel that, you know what I mean? Like I could tell they were calling in the ring because they were just not, they, they were just going for stuff, and there was the, it felt like the awkwardness of like having Tessa compete in the men's division when you don't have like the match laid out beforehand. It like just like it felt like um. Dave Chris just didn't know, like, he hadn't cleared all the spots he could do with her. Like, it just, that's what it felt like. It felt like Dave Chris was trying to handle her safely in a, when they were trying to fight and he's trying to be a heel, you know, a bully heel, sort of. Uh, Tessa was, like, you know, doing all she could, trying to, like, f- the f- like fight him and be like, come on. But I could feel Dave Chris holding back. I could feel it. And because it didn't feel organic, it was just not good. Probably the worst Tessa Blanchard match I've seen definitely this year. Um, anyway, not to <laughs> rag on Impact like they really does. I mean, they're moving They're moving to a better channel, so they they got access. So they'll be hopefully better. Um, let's see. So uh, Sky Davis defeats Karen Noir, right? So then we had a six-man tag here. We have more than hype. Uh, Darren Kearney, LJ Cleary, and Nathan Martin. You, Nathan Martin is the only one without a cage match. That is bullshit. He's clearly the best one. <laughs> I love saying that because people, uh, the Irish fans don't like when you rate any of the, uh, more than high people above. You have to love them all equally. That's, they're like, they're children. You're not allowed to say one of them is better. Uh, even though Nathan Martin's clearly the best one. Anyway, um, they... <laughs> defeat the rascals and it's for real this time it's all the rascals desmond xavier trey miguel and zachary wentz here's the thing they did they had like a weird version of this match last year where it was more than hype versus the rascals but there was no trey miguel trey miguel was replaced by mako satamora and that was one of the best matches of last year that probably i was probably the like if you had like a chart or like a, a graph of like best matches that nobody saw not nobody right but like they're like the best matches that the least amount of people saw i would say more than hype versus the rascals and mako satamora from a, a, like a random ott show last year i think it was the contenders um that's probably up there i fucking love that was like one of the best trios matches i've ever seen i gave it like four and a half <laughs> But, so, here's the thing. That's a lot to live up to, in my eyes. I don't think the crowd... I don't think the OTT crowd was like, whoa. 
It's not like a, uh, it wasn't like a match of lore, like the Devil and Walter matches where there's a high expectation necessarily. But, um, in my eyes, they had a lot to live up to. And, you know, here's the thing. Trey Miguel was gonna get his shit in. He was, he was not in the first match, and he worked the majority of this match, uh, weirdly. He got all of his stuff in, uh, he took a, most of the offense for more than high, and he took the pin in the end. Um, and they kind of played this up like it was the, the the rivalry between more than hype and the rascals, which started with the Sadamora match, where the the, the uh, more than hype lost. The rascals and Sadamora won that match, and so more than hype got their revenge here, on the rascals. I suppose is the story. Um, and Trey Miguel uh, looked good. Here's the weird thing. I, I, well, it's not weird to say that the the this match wasn't as good as the one with Sadamora. <laughs> And it's not because, like, Trey Miguel was bad. I thought Trey Miguel looked very good here. Uh, but it's just, like, uh, the, the presence and just the weirdness of having of having Satomura in this type of trios match, I think, you know. And also, she's, she was also great in that match. But it was, it just, it felt like um, that match weirdly came together better than this one did. I would probably give this one four stars, though. Uh, it's still really good. Uh, then we had a singles match. David Starr defeats Callum Black. Uh, yeah, Callum Black is like... If Vite Mueller is like Baby <laughs> baby Walter over in WXW, Callum Black is like Irish Baby Walter? It's hard to say. He's like the up-and-coming Haas guy. He's like the... Of the generation of the Scotty Davises and all that. He's like the Haas. So David Starr... Uh, this is a really good match. It was short. It put Starr over definitively. He killed him with a brutal lariat at the end, right before Callum Black had. Uh, it was right after Callum Black said to him, "Jordan hits harder, hit harder than you did," and David Starr angrily larrieted him with a handstand and, and pinned him. Yeah, so this is this is probably three and three quarters. I really like this. Ott women's title match. Valkyrie retained against Raven Creed. This match was going along really good, and then they did uh, some chicanery at the finish. And, um, it was, f it, it was fine. I just, I just always, I always want more from these, uh, the, the, the women's matches on these shows. And I, I, you know, this was better than a lot of Creed's title defenses, because it had some time. Um, and Valkyrie is a great worker. Yeah, this is probably leading to a babyface turn for CT Flexer. Um, uh... Because that's what this has always been <laughs> leading to, I think. And um, I don't know. I, I like I like that whole this whole storyline they've done with the woke queens and CT Flexer. I think it's fun. Um, and then the main event we had Pack Pack uh, defeat Mike Bailey. Four and a quarter star fucking classic, folks. This was fucking great. Um, yeah, I mean they fucking <laughs> Mike Bailey did a moonsault off the balcony. And it was also a great match. That's the thing. It wasn't just great because he moonsaulted off the balcony. That was nuts. But then there was also a great match around this. Uh, and it was fun. Though. It was like Mike Bailey has, uh, I've always thought was an excellent babyface. And Pac, the bastard, is one of the best heels in wrestling. He's so great. He projects such menace and just disdain. And it's, he's just, uh, he's, he's amazing. Um, so, 
Uh, yeah, that was OTT Live in Cork. Let's move to OTT Road to 5th Anniversary. So, this opened with Justin and Sammy D defeating Club Rock Shandy. Who's Club Rock Shandy? I found out here as well. Clayton Long and Martin Steers, they came out. They were fun, I guess. They looked like babyface jobbers, which, okay. And then they were. Like, just okay, Justin and Sammy D are jobbers. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. That's just the role they have. They're also not very good. I guess that's a little more disparaging to say that they're not. Sammy D's alright. I mean, Justin's terrible. Sammy D is, you know, he's 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 he's, he's, he's a guy. Um. So, but I thought Club Rock Shandy, this being their big debut, um, they would get like. I don't know, there would be a match? This wasn't, like, Justy D and Sammy D defeated them, like, by accident. Like, it was, like, a weird, uh, th these guys, they, they lost, like, a body slam. Like, it was, well, I guess, okay, I guess technically, an unconscious Justy D, Sammy D, uh, made him do his finish while unconscious to pin Club Rock Shandy. It just made Justy... And both of Club Rock Shandy, even though they had, like, a little bit of... They had as much offense as, like, Cedric Alexander got when he was a janitor that time on Raw. Like, it was, that's what this was. They came off, like, complete jobbers. Because they got squashed by jobbers. What? <laughs> if these guys are just nobody... Like, why are they even on this show, then? Like, if they just... They weren't squashed by, like, fucking... I don't know. A, a, a mustache Mountain? Or, or uh... Uh, Zach Gibson and James Drake, or like anyone who mattered, they were squashed by Justin and Sammy D. So I don't know. I don't know anything. I this is this was weird. Um, then we had a ten man tag team match, which was this was the get everyone on the show, but also we had a bunch of cool uh, Japanese imports. Listen to this fucking lineup. Okay, so Team OTT. The first person that came out was Terry Thatcher, and I was like, oh man. They should have saved him for last. He should be the captain. This is Terry Thatcher's in this 10-man. And then Callum Black comes out. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a cool-looking team Redless shaping up to be for Team OTT. And then um, Patty M came out. I was like, okay, this team seems a little less cool. Uh, Patty M is fine. He needs, he needs better gear, but okay. Uh, Hyperstreak. Okay, Hyperstreak's here. He's fun. Undercard contenders guy, sure. And then Paul Tracy, the legend, who I will admit I was not super familiar with. I had to look up uh, some stuff. Uh, Paul Tracy, he's 39 years old. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's been wrestling for 20 years. The Lord of the Manor, Paul Tracy. I was not uh, familiar with the gentleman. Um... So, and they were against uh, Team Land's End, featuring Kyosuke Ikaho, Revlon, Ruji Sai, So, so Daimonji, and You Exile? I don't, okay, I'll be honest with you. I don't know who any of these uh, guys were, except for Ruji Sai. <laughs> uh, these were all new to me, but whatever, let's do it, let's... Uh, it was, this match was incredibly sloppy. I will say, it was fun, and it kind of didn't matter. The crowd was into it. 
But like every like they would do the thing where two guys would come in and do a spot, and like three of those spots in a row got ma- got botched. They just got were super sloppy. I don't. This felt like a language barrier thing. I don't like. I'm always amazed at how well people wrestle when they have a language barrier. But this felt like they just weren't on the same page. The timing was off for a lot of this. Uh, Terry Thatcher eventually got in there and like try to calm things down. Like it was like everyone was like. Like, Hyper Street tried to do his cool shit, and it was, like, people weren't in position, and a couple of the Japanese guys went for their spots, and, like, there were people, they, timing was off, and then Terry Thatcher had to, like, come in and physically get everyone on, you know, and then, but I will say, when Paul Tracy got in there with Ruji Sai, people w- reacted, like, this was, like, a huge deal, so, successful in that regard, um, and Team OTT gets the win, uh, it was just fun. Uh, okay, so, OTT Women's Title Match, Valkyrie defeats Giselle Shaw. This is what I'm fucking talking about. This is all, this is all I wanted from Raven Creed's title reign, okay? She just, Valkyrie just goes in there, Giselle Shaw, very green, okay? Let's see, it says here she's been wrestling for four years, okay? Um, she, first of all, I was texting Benel about this, and Giselle Shaw uh, I, I was like, this, uh, Giselle Shaw is a pretty impressive athlete for someone as green as she is, and he texted back, like, yeah, and she's dumb pretty, which is, that's, that is, that is true, she is, she is stupid pretty, it is, it is bizarre, um, but, uh, beyond that, uh, she's definitely got, like, she's got personality, she was very, uh, she had a lot of, she had a lot of energy during the match, this match had a great energy too, and I feel like, uh, like most the other thing, like Raven Creed's title run, it was like these matches were like five minutes, so there was no time to build to anything, and it was just I don't, it just felt like a thing on the show that happened for no reason. This felt like like something important, you know. This felt like the first. This is the first thing on the show that mattered. Like the Team OTT thing was fun versus Team Lands End, and then the squash tag. Less about said that the less said about that the better, um, but this was like an actual this was a women's title match for one, and it felt like it. It didn't feel like, yes, it was like a you know in between defense for Valkyrie, and Giselle Shaw had no chance of winning. She was never gonna win, um, but she looked good. Her off she I will say, she, <laughs> like in this era, there's a lot there's a lot better like uh, women's wrestlers. The women's wrestling, you can find good women's wrestling a lot of places. Um, she She's better than, like, anyone in the... Like, if she'd been in WWE in the Divas era, she'd be the best one there. Like, her offense looked very good. Uh, she, she took a couple of bumps early on some of Valkyrie stuff. Uh, but she was very athletic. Uh, she had a good sense of timing. Uh, her striking was not bad. And Valkyrie got the win here. She came out with Debbie Kaitel this time. So, yeah. Look, and then after this, uh, we got a huge return. When I was very excited. It was the return of Katie Harvey to OTT. I'm so fucking excited. I'm so happy for Katie. She had the surgery after the injury last year. And she thought she might never come back to wrestling. And it's just a really heartwarming story to see that she's back. And she will be challenging Valkyrie at the fifth anniversary. And, um... 
Should she win that match? I don't know. I don't know. I have to talk to Benel about it. I want. I. I'm honestly. I'm enjoying Valkyrie's title run. I'm not. Raven Creed's title run wasn't her fault, but it was bad. <laughs> it was unequivocally bad. This title run with Valkyrie is better. Although all the all the all the cheating shenanigans are not my favorite thing, because um, it kind of undercuts her her good wrestling, which is speaks it stands on its own, doesn't really need the shtick, but fine, you know, um, I'll take it. At least the matches are getting more time and more focus. And if you remember the Katie Harvey Valkyrie match from last year, from the very first Defiant, uh, which uh, is also me and Benel reviewed. I think we have the review up on YouTube. Um, we were just going, I was like, Katie Harvey's a star, Valkyrie's a great worker, that opened my eyes to the whole women's division here in OTT, that show, and that was the standout match of the night, um, on, a, on, a, on a night that had, like, I think it was Jordan Grace and Dash Chizako, and, like, Kaylee Ray was on that show, I think, but that was the standout match, and I feel like this is a good spot to do that, especially with Katie, you know, maybe she'll have some ring rust, but she's working with her pupil, students you have the whole teacher student thing going on so very excited about that all right so six-man tag more than hype against alex cuevas omari and the ojmo i'm not super familiar with the ojmo uh i know he's becoming kind of a thing um i think i've heard that his social media presence is a little um well here's what it is uh, he's, he's super athletic, but he, he, what does he have? Does he have like two different, does he go by different names on social media? Is that what it is? I don't really know, but I, here's what I can comment about is this, him in this match. He came off like a star. Uh, he came like an absolute star. Um, it wasn't just, uh, his athleticism was the way he carried himself and his all, you know, all of his, the little things he did here and there. Omari, who I hadn't been seeing a lot of. Omari is really filled out, hasn't he? He's he was this lanky kid who I, I remember Benel telling me like he's like black British Shibata, uh, <laughs> which I mean that's those pretty that's that's a high thing to live up to, but um, uh, he's he was looking good. I mean, he's not he was he felt like his own wrestler Omari here, which I liked, you know. And Alex Cuevas was a fun flyer. Who uh, I could also uh, I'd like to see more of. Uh, he, Alex Cuevas here reminded me, like of a, the first time I saw a kid, where I was like, this guy's all right, but I bet I could I bet he's I bet he can do better, you know. Like the first time I saw a kid, I wasn't blown away. Like a kid's now become like kind of more bigger star, and he's had high profile matches, you know, and a, a match I gave five stars against Zack Saber Jr. Um, the one that got some heat on, uh, well, first Voices put some heat on it, and then eventually Melter saw it, and then gave it five, and that's still on YouTube, and definitely worth the watch. Uh, he had the Will Ospreay match, that was last year, um, I think he's wrestled Pete Dunne, and yes, yeah, so and he's on WD, and he's on WNXT UK, which sucks ass, but Alex Cuevas, I was like, you know, I'm not saying he's gonna be a kid, I'm just saying... That's the sense I got. More than hype, we're great as usual. They have their match formula down. If you're into their match formula, which I am, you, you'd you enjoy this. Uh, and they can do it with pretty much any opponents. Like Omari and, and OJMO have, you know, very specific styles. 
and they were meshing well. This was a really fun, chaotic match. Probably go four stars flat on it. I really enjoyed it. Probably go three and a quarter, or three and a half maybe for Valkyrie and Giselle Shaw. Um, and, okay, yeah, so the next match, uh, tag team match, Only True Pros, which that's their name, Liam Royal and Michael May, uh, defeat the Angel Cruisers. As I'm reading this, I remember that I did not watch this. <laughs> I, I, I was started reading off the cage match. And then I was like, oh, right, I skipped this. I, why I'm, okay, I have nothing to say. Uh, I like Michael May. But, yeah, but then that's 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 all I have. Okay, so, singles match. Tony Storm defeats Session Marth Martina. Why did she... Okay, so, Tony Storm, I want to point out in this match, was no longer the WWE NXT, NXT UK Women's Champion. Oh, my God. Holy shit, that's so many caveats. WWE NXT UK Women's Champion. All right, Tony Storm was not that anymore. She lost the title to Kaylee Ray. All right, in a very underwhelming match. But so why did she have to defeat Martina here? Like what the fuck? Like they flew her. Like is that the 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 mandate that the contracted ta- they can't lose? I mean she's she's a main eventer in NXT UK, but. I know, like, in, you know, theoretically in the totem pole, she's above Martina, but why she didn't have to win? Did she, what, 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 here's what I will say. This was pretty nuts. Tony Storm gave Martina a pile driver on the apron, and Martina kicked out. Then Tony Storm gave her two more pile drivers, and Martina kicked out. Uh, she kicked out of, like, three fucking pile drivers. Uh, then she gave Tony Storm her finish... I forget the name of it. Uh, it's pretty cool, though. It looks like a Dragon Gate move. I think maybe it is a Dragon Gate move. Um, uh, Tony Storm kicked out of that and then gave Martina another pile driver and pinned her. Uh, and I was just... I was left flabbergasted. I was like, so Martina can just kick out of all these pile drivers, but then still lose. Uh, what was the point of any of this? I was so confused. I mean, that's the thing. Martina has a, a match with Haskins for the gender-neutral title, so she shouldn't be losing to anyone? Like, man or woman, really. Like, it doesn't... Anyway, okay. I was This was so confusing. Um, non-title match. Jordan Devlin defeats Paul Robinson. I love Paul Robinson. Jordan Devlin's a god here. Although, I think uh, David Starr's promos are starting to get, you know, rousing people up, and there was a little bit of a sense... Of the, you know, and people hate Paul Robinson, so that's good. But there was a bit of a sense of like, oh, Jordan Devlin's a sellout. Uh, there was no booze for him that I heard, at least. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, there was, it was more like there wasn't the overt adoration that I've become so accustomed to with watching Jordan Devlin OTT. Right? Like, you just... That's what I expect. I expect Jordan Devlin to come out and for people to collectively adore him. And there was... there He was over as a huge babyface, but it felt tempered, which is really interesting. Um, so, uh, Devlin did defeat Paul Robinson here with the Devlin side. Uh, he's been using that to beat everybody. I thought he would just use that to defeat... 
like the contenders level wrestlers. You know, no offense to Callum Black and LJ Cleary. I've been watching, I watched his title defenses against them. Uh, actually, no, actually the Callum Black match wasn't a title defense. It was just a, a special challenge match. That was also great. That match is worth what, seeking out. That's a four and a quarter star match. Uh, and then the LJ Clear match was very good, probably three and a half. Uh, and also he beat uh, uh, Jody Fleisch with the Devlin Sai. So he hasn't been using the package pile driver. Devlin Sai is a cool move. It's just he's gotten that over as like his other finish. He beat Paul Robinson with it here. Even the imports get it. No, they don't. he doesn't package pile drive the imports anymore. Uh, so, yeah, he wins. Zach Gibson versus, uh, defeated CT Flexer. I actually did not, fuck, I didn't watch this either. Man, I just didn't have time. I had to, g I remember now. I had to go, I wanted to catch the main events. And there was just so much. So, um, I, maybe this was good. I'll go back and watch it. Uh, David Starr defeats Scotty Davis. OTT world title number one contendership match. David Starr lost to Walter, but he got another chance here. Sky Davis was on a roll. He literally had not lost a match since he lost to Jordan Devlin himself in December of 2018. He was on a win streak. He was super hot coming into this. And David Starr defeated Scotty. Not he didn't defeat beat him like super definitively. Uh, he got him. He he out wrestled him. And was able to uh, get him with a roll-up. So, so yeah, uh, Sky Davis, uh, first loss, but it's to David Starr. He loses nothing in it, really. Ah, so Sky Davis, I'm just looking at Sky, on Cage Man. Sky Davis apparently has been working progress in the Natural Progression Series. Apparently he won the Natural Progression Series. <laughs> this is news to me. They filmed it all. They filmed all of it in uh, mid-September. Uh, mid and he beat Karen Noir and Gene Money and then Danny Duggan, huh? In the final. I mean, yeah, he's the best one. But him and Karen Noir should have been the final. What the fuck? That was the semifinal, okay. Well, what are you going to do? Hey, look, either way, sorry, I got distracted. Well, make us sound a more one progresses women's title? What the fuck's the point of all this? Also, Progress has something called the Proteus title. I'm very confused. And then Eddie Dennis won the world title from Walter. This is... what? What's the point of any of this? <laughs> I just looked, checked in on Progress out of sheer curiosity. And I'm just like, what? Alright. Alright, I'm sorry about all that. I So, David Starr defeats Sky Davis... Uh, great match, and then Jordan Devlin comes out, and he is, David starts cutting this fucking promo, and he's shit-talking, Devlin running him down, Jordan Devlin comes out, I gotta say, I'm not sure everything that was said, the audio for this was not great, so, um, but, uh, it did make me hype for the match, the crowd reacted to what they were saying, and Jordan Devlin showed a lot of passion, a lot of fire, and, um, yeah, this is a hot match. David Starr does it. He this motherfucker has had three of the best feuds in wrestling. In all, not just in indie wrestling, and they've all been indie feuds, but three of the best feuds in wrestling over the last couple of years: him versus Walter, him versus Joey Janela, and him versus Jordan Devlin. Uh, he's so I, he just knows how to. 
This he, this motherfucker knows how to get hype and interest in his matches. He just knows how to work a feud. What well, he he's 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 Davy Wrestling. He's replaced what Johnny Gargano was in a lot of ways. He's he can do anything. Put him in any role, and he just excels. And uh, as a, in a tag team, and the undercard, in the opener, in, in the mid card, and here in this main event, he knows he can work to any of those places. And you know, uh, I can't say enough good things about David Starr or Sky Davis. But what I can say is now it's time to get to the main event of the show. We're talking AEW, fam. A E fucking W. And um listen, this show was fun. This was the first live televot live TV wrestling as in not a pay-per-view, the first live TV wrestling that I've watched in five years. I sat down on Wednesday night and watched Pro wrestling on a television live. What? 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 Wait. What? What's happening? Um. Okay. So we opened up. Opening for the show looks fun. Uh. And then I, 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 I as soon as I saw Excalibur's fucking masked face, I was so amped. I was like just happy to see him. So happy to see Excalibur, who I really enjoy as a commentator. I've enjoyed him for years on PWG. I'm just so happy to see him here being the commentator for a, 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 like a, a nationally televised pro wrestling show. Because he deserves it. He's been great. And um, Tony Schiavone, I will admit, I'm not familiar. I, well, I, know, I know who he is. But I'm not familiar with his commentary. So, I, you know, I'm not... Gone out. I don't really have a. Uh, I don't have an opinion either way. But I thought he was good here. Uh, Jr. Who has I've not wanted around. Not wanted him in the booth. Um, for AEW and such. But he was inoffensive. I thought for the most part. Um, I didn't. You know. I didn't necessarily always tune. I didn't really listen to the commentary the whole show. But um, they seemed fine. Uh, and so fucking Cody Rhodes comes out, and the place explodes, and it's like, could you have picked a per a better opening match for this show? Like, Cody, and then a young, talented guy, you know, and it's, you know, Sammy Guevara, who's, you know, a natural heel, and a very talented wrestler, and he comes out, and he's doing, like, kind of like the Miz walk with his arms, and I was like, he doesn't need to go that far, like, you could tone it down a little, Sammy, tone it down, um... And they start wrestling, and with the weird... I was nervous. Like, Cody starts wrestling Sammy Guevara, and I was nervous. I was, like, nervous for them. I was like, god damn, I really want this to... Like, I just don't... I just didn't want it to look like minor league. <laughs> and it... I mean, they were a little... They were... I could tell they were a little nervous in the early goings of this match here. There was, like, some... Uh, I mean, they didn't, like, botch anything major. It just was, like... They seemed to be working a little... Like, a little... Not stiff and like they were hitting each other, but just a little, uh, little tight. Working tight, they gotta stay, you know, stay loose, they say. Loosest man wins. Uh, so, Cody, um, and then what really, this, this match really picked up when Cody goes for the dive and Sammy pulls Brandy in the way. And this crowd 
loses it. The thing, th this crowd reacted the way you're supposed to react to a pro wrestling show. And I saw a couple takes on Twitter. Now, granted, this is the heavy outliers, right? These are bad faith motherfuckers. You, know, you shouldn't listen to them ever. But there are people who would just... I mean, I've been seeing it since AEW's been a thing. Uh, not just the awful takes. But people who criticize AEW's audience for being excited. <laughs> people, their critique of AEW's crowd is, hey, they're enjoying themselves. They're reacting like this pro wrestling product is something good. This guy, I don't want to... Anyway, it was just like, I'm just like, what is, I just feel bad for these people. Like, what, what, like, do you not understand that this is what pro wrestling theoretically should be? Not just, like, in America. Okay, go, watch, um, fuck, what's that match that won? Match of the Year, like, 1992. Hold on, I'm looking this up right now. Um, yes, 1992, Kenta Kobashi and uh, Siyoshi Kikuchi versus Doug Furness and Dan Crawford, uh, in All Japan Pro Wrestling. May 25th in Japan. Now, here's the thing. Uh, this is uh, Siyoshi Kikuchi's hometown. This is the only match of his I've ever watched. I'll be honest. Uh, we all know Kabashi's a legend and all that. And uh, so, yeah, so um, this tag match right here is like, this is like the hottest crowd I've ever seen. The this home crowd, they are living and dying with every, with every beat of this match. It won match of the year 92. It is an excellent match, but like I think what makes it a legendary all-time match is the crowd. And the crowd adds so much to the atmosphere of, of any live show, not just, you know, not just pro wrestling, but any live show. And with pro wrestling, it's like that's what it used to, you know, live and breathe. We didn't used to just sit here and watch, analyze matches move for move and, like, you know, the, the fundamentals and the hold for hold. Like, I mean, there's that, that aspect to it, too. I'm not saying there's nothing to that, but, like, there was also the emotional reaction, and this crowd was going with everything that... Now, obviously, this crowd also, like me, wants AEW to succeed, so, yeah, but they... But it's just... all This is all AEW has to do, is just do simple pro wrestling stuff, just stay in that lane, because WWE will, will fucking eat itself. They've been doing it for the last several years, just doing this dog shit after... This year alone has had three, count them, three. I don't even watch Raw SmackDown, but I know about three angles they did, which I would say are three of the worst angles of all time. And they were just this year. It was Cedric the Janitor, fucking Roman, the scaffolding versus Roman Reigns, and Kevin Owens on SmackDown groveling. This motherfucker has is using the stunner. They've made not a subtle... Hint that he's like the new Stone Cold Steve Austin. But he's st standing there groveling to Shane McMahon to keep his job. What? So all AEW has to do is stay in their lane. Just, I don't mean stay in their lane. Like, don't, like I mean, like, just stay, just keep doing pro wrestling. Just, just like, eye on the prize. Don't get distracted by whatever. Just keep do doing your brand of pro wrestling. You know, what I, I mean, look, I know there's a, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? That's one of the complaints about all that. I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, I don't like how pff, we've had one cook in the kitchen in, in fucking WWE for this whole time. And he's become a shitty cook. So I'm okay with the weird variety aspect of AEW. Where we have, like, a, a, a bunch of... 
<laughs> like uh, the, the SoCal wrestling tag team scene, along with, you know, uh, Joshi's, and uh, and then Southern style Cody, Cody wrestling. I'm I'm you know, look I'm all about it. So Sammy Guevara after the initial after they did that spot with Brandy, this match really came into its own. This went. Uh, 11 minutes 53 seconds, and it felt like a pretty epic match for that time. I, I give this three and a half stars. They they worked in some cool high spots. The reverse superplex from the top. Um, Guevara leaping to the top and doing the Spanish fly. Uh, and uh, was a great near fall. And then I love the finish, which was Sammy going for the shooting star. Cody gets the knees, wraps him up, rolls him, schoolboys him, and then he pins him. And so Cody defeated... Uh, this is what I love. Cody, when he's working with these these young guys that they're trying to get over, the Darby Allen went to a 20-minute draw. Sammy Guevara, he beat him, but he beat him with a, a roll-up, right? He didn't, like... He didn't hit the crossroads and pin him, you know, hand in the face, you know, type of... It was a, a very a protective win. Didn't uh, Sammy Guevara did not lose anything. He looked great by showing off what he could do. Uh, and it made the crowd want to see more of him. I, you know, that's what I, that's what I feel like was the the goal here, right? Because they still have to introduce these characters to the audience at large. You know, this is the TV; they got to introduce them to everybody. So Sammy's out there, like this is this is one of our guys. He's the future, and you got to see a little bit what he could do. Uh, he just comes up short. He just gets. And how many times have we seen like the shooting star or the splash counting with the knees up into the roll up, but that leads to a near fall every time. That's never the finish. People always kick out of it, right? But this time it led to the finish. I love that. Uh, then we had a singles match between uh, Michael Jacob Friedman and the uh, future AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Brandon Cutler, uh, Mr. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, it was a bad day for the world of uh, tabletop RPGs as Mr. Cutler uh, tweaked his knee coming off the turnbuckle, uh, got punched in the face, and put in a Fujiwara armbar and submitted in less than three minutes. Now, here's the thing. This was bad. Uh, so, I'm not gonna... Look, Brandon Cutler, he's our guy. Uh, officially endorsed by Talking uh, Talking Hour to Podcast. Um, but, uh, I gotta call a spade a spade here. This wasn't good, even though it was short. Uh, just was weirdly clunky. And then, like, it looked like it was gonna get good when Cutler hit the dive. And, like, he hit the dive into, like, a Thez press. And, like, was throwing down these rights. And I was like, okay, this is looking good. And he climbs to the top, and he, like, just kind of falls off. And I wasn't sure if it was a planned spot, but it was clear when the match ended that it was not. I do hope Brandon's okay, obviously. I don't, I hope he's, he's, he's uh, I'm, I'd be very, I would, that'd be the worst thing ever. If he, on the debut episode here, I would be very upset. So, I hope he's okay. And I hope Brandon Color, you know, I don't mind him losing, even in a squash here. Um, I just wish it was, like, you know. A better squash, I guess. If, if it was gonna be, if this was the plan, you gotta get MJF over. He's not. You can't just like, yes, he can talk and he will get over by talking. Um, but they're not gonna do the WWE thing where like we're gonna beat him because he can talk, so he'll stay over. No, you get, you're gonna give him wins against guys like Brandon Cutler, right? Because he's eventually MJF is gonna be a title challenge worthy competitor. He was the second to last person. In the battle royal that uh, Hangman Page won, he's a, he's one of these guys like with the Joey Janellas and the Sammy Guevara's and the Darby Allens. Uh, he's an upper he's your upper mid card. 
and uh, eventually, because AEW actually they you know they they do need some top level heels. Uh, they have some good ones. They got Jericho at the top, right? But you know MJF clearly is uh, he's young, and uh, he's the best young heel they have. So um, so yeah, and Brandon Cutler will have his time. I I am not worried about Brandon Cutler. Uh, it wasn't about winning this match out. It's not if he hopefully he's not injured. I feel. I watched the clips of him on the indies. Uh, not just, like, you know, when he was in the team with uh, old brother Dustin. Uh, but, um, was he older? I don't know. I don't remember which one was older. But I am confident that he will, um, he's just, he's clearly, he's a very likable dude. Uh, I think he will develop the crowd connection that he has to establish first. And I think, uh, he, I think he will. I think he will get over... As an underdog babyface, representing the nerd community, and um, so I'm not. And he can go. That's the, I said. That's the thing. There might be there are people who might not be like they. Oh, if you not, if you don't know about Brandon Cutler, uh, he was part of the Color Brothers tag team in uh, PWG and SoCal. But um, so you can see some of his matches there. But also, uh, he's had some matches that I've seen recently that were quite good. They weren't, like, super blow away, but they were, like, 10, 15-minute matches that he had as, like, part of, like, his career resurgence, you know. So, I am, uh, I'm not worried. I know he can still go. Uh, it was a shaky start here, but I, I, you know, I have full confidence they'll prove it otherwise. Um, okay, then we had a match I was very excited about. Pac, as in Pac-Man, not Tupac. Pac defeats... Adam Page. I don't. It says Adam Page here. It just say Hangman Page. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> Thirteen minutes and two seconds. This was fun. I wish there wasn't a commercial in this fucking match. Can I talk about this for a second? Of course I can. I'm the only co-host here, which makes me the only host. There's no other co-host. Um, I I don't like. I I've hated since WWE started doing it. I don't like commercials during the wrestling matches. It takes you out of it, because if there, how can you, how can you have a commercial during a fight? How do you know when the fight's gonna end? You don't. Theoretically, you don't. You're not supposed to know when a fight's gonna end. It's supposed to be a fight. You, you couldn't put a, a commercial during a Brock Lesnar match, because a Brock Lesnar match could end at any time, and we know this. <laughs> this is why pro wrestling. This is part of the problem with pro wrestling. The formulaic. It's like, oh, we know this match is gonna go through a commercial. Like, what? No one should know that. You're not supposed to know when a fight's going to end. It's a fight. You can... <laughs> so, but I will say, we got picture in picture. So at least I could watch the action while this is going on. Fucking commercials or whatever. And uh, so, the the most boring part, I think Pac, who is an excellent heel, let's be, let's get something straight. Pac is a star, uh, just like Cody. Cody felt like a giant star. But I oh, he skipped over the fact that Sammy Guerrero offered his hand and Cody shook it and then was jumped by Jericho, who then beat him up with a chair. Beat him up through the break. We watched that during... We watched... I saw picture in picture. Jericho beat this man up. Then declare himself the champion... What was it? Le champion? Is that how he said it? Le champion of AEW. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, Chris Jericho is the greatest of all time. Don't at me. Uh, anyone who doubts or sleeps on this man is a fool. He's 50 and still somehow 
he's like he's as good as he's ever been. Not necessarily as a wrestler, but as a personality, he's probably even better. He's fucking awesome. And my sister came in here at various times to watch some of this, and she was just like, uh, is that Chris Jericho? And I was like, yeah. He's like, he looks different. I was like, yeah. He's a, guy, he's a different guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's still Chris Jericho, but he feels like a different guy. So, Pac defeats uh, Hangman Page with a low blow because he's a heel, and then the Black Arrow, formerly known as the Red Arrow, um, and then into the Brutalizer and Page. I think just passes out. I don't think he tapped. I think he's passed out. And Pac is looking strong, coming off two huge wins here, beating Kenny Omega and uh, Adam Page, two of the elites, really, right? So, uh, yeah, he's uh, 2-0, and and he's a fucking one of the five pillars right there. Cody, Jericho, Pac, Moxley, Omega. That's the five pillars. And then underneath them, you got MJF, Joey Janela, uh, Darby Allen. Uh, Sammy Guevara, I guess, has been positioned there, and uh, Jimmy Havoc, I would say, uh, and on a, and then the, some guys in the t- in the team division that you could push as a big single star like Pentagon Jr. and stuff like that. Um, so, because uh, I believe that's what happened next, I might have, but yeah. So we had a promo from uh, SCU. By the way, <laughs> Scorpio Sky's Obama impression. Had no reason. There, there was, there was no, no reason that had, that was. It had no right being that good. It had no right being that good. It was, it was like, like he was. Oh God, it was. It could have been so much worse, and I still would have enjoyed it. That's what I'm trying to say. Like his Obama impression could have been, like ten percent as good as it was, and I still would have been into it. But it was like really good. That's it was like. <laughs> He had, he really had it down. Um, so, ISCU is of course over, uh, just because they exist. Um, and the Lucha Brothers come out and they cut a fiery promo where uh, Phoenix says all the English, and then Pentagon Junior does the catchphrase, and they start a three on a two v three brawl. What a bunch of what a couple of fucking badasses the Lucha Brothers look like. Just starting a brawl against three men when they are in fact two men. Uh, just they're fucking nuts. These guys. They don't give a shit. Uh, and then the refs had to come out and break them up. And I was reminded how great the referee division. <laughs> I know it's not a division, but the referees of AEW. God, this have such a great crew of referees. And the the one referee I I I didn't know about until this organization organization was formed, Aubrey Edwards is my favorite referee. She's fucking dope. Uh, I saw um, Governor Lilbun on Twitter saying that um, <laughs> Aubrey Edwards is the red shoes of AEW, and I agree. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a fucking promotion with Earl Hebner, who, you know, I mean, he's older now, but they have other, like Bryce Remsburg, Rick Knox, uh, Paul Turner. I'm not as, I'm as huge a fan of Paul Turner. But, like, the <laughs> Rick Knox and Bryce Remsburg, two of my favorite refs ever. And, and and Aubrey Edwards is like just like a fucking referee star, but she doesn't get in the way of the matches. Like she's she's clearly great, and she has like the gravitas and control that a ref needs. Gravitas not maybe the right word, maybe like presence and like sense of authority, uh, and like a strong count too. All that stuff matters to me for for being a ref. 
but she, uh, yeah, she's just, she's, uh, she's real great. Uh, so, speaking of, uh, women, I guess, <laughs> leads us into the AEW Women's World Title match. Uh, the Cesar <laughs> Cage match that the title is vacant. But it's not really true, but I, <laughs> it's vacant until this match happens. Okay, uh, so... This, a lot of people, I saw a lot of people say this is the match of the night, and they love this match. I thought this was good. I think, okay, Cody and Sammy Guevara, Pac and Adam Page, and Riho versus Nyla Rose, I gave them all three and a half stars. So all those are the three good matches on the show. Um, so, this match was like kind of, it was kind of sloppy and kind of not, I wasn't super into it. Until the commercial break. And then during the commercial break, during the picture-in-picture, picture, I saw, like, Nyla was hitting, like, a Samoan drop, and Rio hit her with some double stomps, and, like, they were doing cool stuff during the commercial. And they came back, and the crowd was into it. And I was just like, these women, they kept the crowd invested through the commercial break, when, like, you know, during the Pac Adam Page match, like, Pac was just, like, doing his heat segments, and it wasn't particularly interesting. So... I was very impressed with the women uh, through that. Nyla is still very green, but I will say, Riho. Uh, I wouldn't say Riho carried her, but I think just the dynamic of the David and Goliath, you know, um, that dynamic just carried the match through, and uh, the crowd was super into it when Rio hit that like uh, almost like a tr not a tr uh, almost like an SOS like roll up into a pin. And it was like a 2.99 kick out from Nyla. A lot of fans thought that was three. Because I think every, that's the other thing. Everyone thought Nyla was going to win for sure. And so Riho again. And then Riho hits the... Nyla dodges a, a Meteora. Then Riho hits it to the back of the head. And then connects with a Meteora to the front. And pins Nyla Rose. Nyla kicks out at like 3.4. <laughs> but Riho is your new... And, um, first, AEW Women's Champion. And I was, so, I was, like, so excited when this match started, because I was, like, the precedence of it, like, the history of it, I could feel, you know? I was more excited about this than I was about Paige versus Jericho, to be honest. But, um, so, but I, I will say, uh, I got kind of bored by it, and then when it came back from the commercial, I was into it again. And, uh, yeah, it was, Nala goes to kill Michael Nakazawa, who I guess is there to speak English for Riho, um, you know, and is also, he's friends with Kenny Omega and all that stuff. So then Kenny Omega comes out to save Riho from Nyla Rose. I don't think this is leading to an intergender tag match. I think, if anything, they're gonna do Moxley and Nyla against Riho and Kenny Omega. That's what I predict. Then we have the main event... Which, you know, I would have liked the women's match to be the main event. But I see why this went on last, even though it wasn't the best. In fact, this is my least favorite thing on the show. Um, <laughs> Chris Jericho and Ortiz and Santana. I keep calling them LAX because, you know, I that's what they are to me until further notice. But I, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to call them the Bariquas. Until I'm told that they have another name. So, uh, Chris Jericho and Las Bariquas versus... The Elite, the actual, like, you know, um, not as the original Elite, yeah. Uh, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Okay, so, 
I love that uh, Las Pariquas were in the main event of AEW. It's fucking cool. I uh, love those dudes. Me and Benel saw them wrestle live in the greatest match we've ever seen live against Jonathan Gresham and Chris Brooks of CCK for a progress show uh, last summer. But, uh, well, and also, uh, Santana has led a training session that Benel has taken part in, which makes me super jealous. But I gotta say, what the fuck was this? John Moxley came in in two minutes into the match and beats up Kenny Omega in front of the ref, and they have an amazing brawl. They have an, uh, an excellent brawl that ends with him giving him that lifting DDT through the glass table, which was super cool, but what the fuck? Then they just kept doing the match. Okay, you could either made a no-DQ match, or you could have said, like, the Young Bucks could have been the baby faces and said, like, okay, we're going to keep going with the match anyway, even if it's 2v3. We're going to keep doing this anyway. Uh, or he could have jumped Omega before the bell. Or after this happens, Cody could have came down and replaced Omega in the match. So still... There's so many... They, they, they just did nothing to explain this. Why, come on, guys. You can do better. Come on. Come on. I'm on your side, but come on. You can do better than this. This is not... This is not come on. This is the type of bullshit you were getting away from, right? This is the type of bullshit we're leaving behind. This is this is WWE shit. We're not we don't do don't do this. Don't have a guy beat up a guy in front of the ref and then go like oh no I don't know. Yeah, it's still a match I guess. What? Give us just there's so many outs to this. There was no reason for for the be for yeah. So anyway, then they go on and they have like a fun little wrestling match, but it's just it's weird. It makes those even the crowd is kind of like what like they're confused. I think. Um, and then, uh, so, yeah, the Jericho and Las Bariquas get the win. And this thing, it doesn't put Las Bariquas over at all. It doesn't even make the Young Bucks look, like, good, like, for trying to fight back of the odds, because they didn't really give enough time for that story, you know? Uh, and then, you know, Cody comes, they're doing a beatdown, Cody comes out. Um, and then Sammy Guevara comes out and beats up Cody, Cause so that handshake didn't mean shit, uh, and then fucking Goldust comes out to a huge pop. It really shows out how over Goldust is, at least in the context of AEW, and at least in the context of being Cody's brother. I want to say, right? So, um, anyway, I love Goldust. That that match he had with Cody is he's over with me for until the foreseeable future. Um, so Goldust comes out fucking, and then Jake Hager. The former Jack Swagger comes out, and I'm like, <sighs> these are my two least favorite things on the show, was this match continuing after the DQ, and the fact that we closed with Jake Hager laying out all the baby faces. Like, it's not, listen, Cody Rhodes was a mid-carder in WWE. Me and Benel said the whole time, this dude should be a main eventer. He's capable of more. He could be a star. Adrian Neville, and then Neville, was a mid-carder in WWE. Me and Benel, and then everyone else knew he was capable of more. Cody is a star. Pac is a star. Jack Swagger was in WWE, 
won the world title for like a second, then was a mid-carder for a decade, and nobody wanted to see more of Jack Swagger. He left, he went to MMA, he won a couple, one fight, was he 1-0? I think he just won one fight, or maybe, maybe one or two. He's undefeated in MMA, fine. Um, he goes to Lucha Underground, and he is just, whatever. I heard, he won the world title, but I heard nothing about it. I not like it. His wasn't lighting the world on fire. His indie shows and dates, I hear nothing about it. There's no hype around this man, because Jack Swagger and Jake Hager are both mid card wrestlers, and I want to be very clear about this. I don't have a problem with you bringing in Jake Hager. He's you know now he's got the MMA thing. He's a real fucking shooter, right? He's got cred. That's what you know. That's what's hot these days with Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, fucking Matt Riddle is bringing these real fucking shooters, right? But that only only if they're also charismatic or a draw of some kind, like Brock Lesnar or Ronda Rousey. Matt Riddle's one of the best wrestlers in the fucking world. Jack or Jake Hager, rather, is just he's a guy, and he's in here to be Chris Jericho's heavy. I guess because they they I will I like Gravera and uh, uh, Las Bariquas being in the closing angle of the show, like shown as a main this main event heel faction that is opposing the elite, right? Because you kind of needed that, right? And so it's like a weird faction, but it's I, it's kind of cool. I like having Gravera and uh, Bariquas in there. Santana and Ortiz, and I guess you have to have someone, a, a heater, so we had to bring in Jake Hager, <sighs> we couldn't, we, we couldn't, what's, uh, what's the Samoan dude's name, MLW, the champion, J- Jacob Fatu, there it is, Jacob Fatu, the MLW champion, I guess he's signed to MLW, <sighs> God, he'd be so much better in this role, he would just be... That's the thing. They got Jake Hager because nobody fucking wanted Jake Hager. Who does this? I, I he's not. He he wasn't a guy who WB oh didn't recognize his talent and didn't use him to his fullest potential. No, they try they try to make him more than he was. They made him a world champion and he wasn't good enough. He's not a bad wrestler. He's average. He can't cut a promo. He. Is a he's got the big country boy cornbread thing going on. He's a real shooter, but he's not a draw. He doesn't have any charisma. That's just that's what it is. You can use him to put over guys like Darby Allen and fucking Joey Janela. All right, that's better be what he's for. If he's here to be a main eventer, I I'm not on board. I'm not on board with Jake Hager as an, in the main event scene. Okay. It's just, it's, no, I don't want it, okay? <laughs> Alright, so, that was AEW, folks, and that's gonna be it for, um, this edition of Talking Smart. Uh, please, uh, leave us a review, and also check out Talking Naruto. Keep an eye out for the Beef Town Chronicles. Your favorite D&D podcast will be coming shortly, and, um, as always... Kevin Dunn, we don't need you anymore. We got AEW.